turn in your attention to the book of James chapter 1. And secondly, I'll be reading from 2 Corinthians, a couple of portions of scripture I'm going to be reading in this morning. Thank you to our worship team. What a tremendous job they've done in leading us into the presence of God. James 1, 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Every good gift comes from God. 2 Corinthians 9, Paul says, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. How many know that the gifts of God are even difficult to describe sometimes? We've been in this series we kicked off called Big Boxes. And there's something magical, something special about Christmas morning. A kid running down, diving under the tree, hoping that the biggest, baddest box under the tree belongs to them. Because in the mind of a child, the biggest box is the best gift. The biggest box is the greatest gift. But we know there's some really big boxes in Scripture, some great things that God has given us. And we read about one of these in John 3, 16, for God so loved. Everybody say love. He loved and he gave. He loved the world, so he gave. Last week, week one of this series, we talked about the big box of grace. We talked about the grace of God. And today we're going to talk about the gift of love. How many are thankful for the love of Jesus Christ? Why don't you give him praise one more time and thank him for his love. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. God, you're so good to us and we thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, you can be seated in Jesus' name. A significant portion of the Christmas season is revolving around gifts, revolving around both getting and receiving gifts, big gifts and little gifts. How many of our kids are hoping for some really big presents on Christmas morning? Any You're too old, Matt, Josh. Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. You should have learned that by now. <laughs> we, we all hope to get and give probably some wonderful things this time of year, even if the gift that we're hoping for is just the gift of love and the gift of family and friends that surround us in the holiday season. But Scripture tells us of one of the greatest gifts of all, one of the biggest gifts of all the gift that has the potential and the power to absolutely revolutionize a life just with the knowledge of this gift, just with the understanding of this gift. And John 3 speaks of this gift in our text that we read, the third verse of Scripture, for God so loved the world. God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only begotten son. He gave himself. He gave his life. Out of all the good gifts you may get this Christmas, there's probably none that you're going to get that would mean someone has to give their life for you to receive that gift. But I want you to know today that you've got a heavenly father that loved you so much 
that he was willing to give his life to prove his love to you. His love that we celebrate this Christmas season. His love that came down from heaven to this earth. Why? Because love always descends. Love always comes down. Every mother in this room knows that you love your child. Love comes down. Love, uh, you love your child more than they could ever imagine. And you love your child more than they could ever even love you. Every father understands this. I, I love my three children over here more than they could ever comprehend, more than they could love me because love descends. Love comes down. And it was the love of God that came down that we celebrate this time of year, that love that came down to us. First John 4 says it like this, he that loveth not knoweth not God. In other words, uh, God is love. It says the next phrase, for God is love. If you don't love, scripture says you can't even know God. If you don't know love, you don't know God. Love is such an intrinsic, inseparable part of the nature of God that if you're going to know God, you've got to first know love. And if you don't know love, you cannot know God. And then verse 16 says, and we have known and believed that the love of God hath to us. God is love. Everybody say God is love. Those three little words, those three little words that are so all-inclusive and, and so final that they leave no doubt to be had, nothing else to be said. God is love. There's nothing this morning that the devil would want for you to doubt more than God is love. There's nothing that he would want to attack in your mind more than, than, than God is is love. I, I've come to, to preach and declare to somebody today that in spite of your weaknesses, God is still love. In spite of your failures, God is still love. He still calls us his children. God is still love. It's his nature. It's who he is. Just as the sun radiates light and heat, God radiates love. The, the clouds at time may obscure the light and the heat of the sun, but the sun is still shining. Hey, can I tell somebody today that if the clouds in your life have obscured the shining love of God, it doesn't mean his love has ceased. God is still love and God still loves you. Sometimes sin and problems and our own choices act like those clouds that cover the sun shining in our lives. It covers uh, the love uh, uh, of God. But that does not change. It's, it's an immutable law of God uh, that God is love. In fact, it's impossible for him to change, the scripture says. It's impossible for him to be anything but love. You cannot change light into darkness, and you cannot turn back the love of God. You, you, you cannot change. You can't turn the gravity of the earth off. You can't turn off the pull of gravity, and you cannot turn off the love of God. God simply is love, and his love today is unconditional love. 
That word unconditional is so powerful because we as human beings, we know this finite version of love. We know this version of love that only gives so long as it receives. A love that loves me back. A love that reciprocates in some way. But I'm telling you, God's love is unconditional. There's no conditions attached to God's love. There's no stipulations attached to God's love. It was without condition that he went to the cross of Calvary. It was without stipulation. He went because he simply loved you. He didn't know if you would ever make one smart decision in your life and he still loved you. And maybe you know some people that their smart decisions are really few and far between. He still loves them. In spite of your problems. In spite of your failures, he still loves you. It, it, it was unconditional. It is unconditional love. It's without reserve that he freely gave his life for our sins. It's because of his love. You say, but what about my failures? What about my mistakes? What about my sin? What about the things that I've done in my life? Uh, what about my questions? Uh, maybe you're here today and you've got failures in your life. Or maybe you're here today and you've got a longer list of questions about God and religion than you do answers about God and faith and, and, and religion. Uh, does that disqualify you from, no, he still loves you. God is love. There's nothing that's conditional about his love. There's nothing that can separate you from his love. He is simply love. His love is unconditional love. It has no conditions or stipulations attached to it. His love I might offend some, some, some real religious person with this uh, statement, uh, but his love is not based on uh, your decisions even aligning with his will. Whether you follow scripture or not, he still loves you. Whether you obey him or not, he still loves you. Uh, whether you do what he tells you to do or not, he still loves you. Uh, now you say, Pastor, are you preaching that he gives me a pass to do whatever I want? No, that's a different message entirely altogether. I'm telling you uh, that your decisions uh, and your mistakes and your hang-ups uh, do not make him love you any less, uh, nor does your righteous living uh, make him love you any more. He is love and he loves you with an unconditional love. Christianity uniquely makes that claim among all the world's religions that God's love is free of charge. You don't pay anything for his love. There's no strings attached to his love. There's no conditions attached to his love. Only Christianity dares to proclaim a God whose love is absolutely unmerited, whose love is absolutely undeserved, and whose love is absolutely unconditional. God is love. That's why Romans 8 says, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for you before you even knew you were a sinner. His love paid the price for your sins. 
you got to believe in his love today. I'm not sure you can actually even be saved if you don't believe in the love of God because it's his love, it's his kindness that draws us to repentance. We used to sing the song in Sunday school, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Jesus still loves me. You may not be able to sing that song with the sweet innocence uh, of a child anymore, but I'm telling you the truth is still the same. Jesus uh, still loves you. You may not be able to understand the depths of God's love completely, but Jesus still loves you. Ephesians chapter 3 says this in verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded, how am I going to be rooted and grounded in my faith? In love. I'm going to be rooted and grounded in my faith love. That's the only way to be grounded in him is in love. That's the only way to have your faith well rooted is to start with love. That we may be able, Paul writes, to comprehend with all the saints what is the wit and what is the length and what is the depth and what is the height to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I'm telling you, his love, it's more than preacher rhetoric or pastor hyperbole. His love is wider than planet Earth. His love is farther than the galaxy. If you could so travel it, his love is deep than the oceans. His love is higher than the highest mountain. His love is bigger than anything you could imagine or fathom in your life. And what we celebrate this Christmas season is the gift of love. It is the gift of a God that loved us. It didn't come in a stocking. It didn't come wrapped in tinsel under a tree. No, it was his love. His love was not a what, but his love is a who. Christ Jesus came to this earth out of his love for us. Oh, somebody thank him for his love this morning. Somebody thank him for the love uh, that he shows to us, Lord. Uh, I thank you for your love. Uh, I thank you for your goodness. Uh, I thank you for the love that you show to us. His love, his love, his love brought him to this earth. The remarkable gift of love. We see it laced throughout the Christmas story, this wonderful story of Christ coming to this earth, this handmaiden by the name of Mary. She was most likely a teenager in her mid to upper teens. She was espoused, which similar to engagement, but more binding, that she was to be married to, to Joseph. And the angel comes with the news. The angel comes heralding the news that God has selected her to bring the Messiah into this world. And while you think that would be cause for rejoicing, what a great honor. But 
it would also be a very difficult process for her. Her reputation could be wrecked. Her reputation could be called into question. Uh, people could talk about her. It could potentially wreck her upcoming impending marriage. And, and, and then Joseph is visited in a dream by an angel. And they go to be taxed and counted in the, at the census, at the command of Caesar Augustus. They had to go to the town of Joseph's ancestors, which was the town of Bethlehem. They they had to travel to this town of Bethlehem. And while they're traveling with this uh, fully pregnant woman, now it's difficult enough. The doctors tell you when you're pregnant not to travel uh, when you get to a certain time in the pregnancy, eight months and approaching nine months, maybe for some six or seven months. And that's traveling by car distance or by airplane. She was traveling on the back of a donkey. She obviously did not obey her doctor's orders. She gets to Bethlehem. And she goes into labor. And the inn, the, the hotel is full. Every hotel, Hampton Inn is full. And the Hilton Garden Inn is full. And the Ramada is full. And the La Quinta is full. And Motel 6 is full. And Uncle Buck's Roach Motel is full. They can't get in anywhere. They can't find a room anyplace. They find a, a, a stable to have this Christ child be born. Most likely a, a cave, an outcropping of rock, a, 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 a cave where they would keep the flocks at, at, at night. This was not, we, we see these beautiful manger scenes and our, our team has one out in our, in our lobby. But it was not a beautiful manger scene like you put on a mantle. You wouldn't have wanted to put this scene on your mantle because it would have been dark and it would have been smelly and it would have been a, a dirty and it would have been cold and it would have been damp and in a place like that not a bright well lit hospital or a bright sanitary room not at all but this frightened young lady this frightened young teenager is about to give birth to her first baby a baby that was like no other baby that had ever been born in the history of the human race this baby that would be fully God and this baby that would be fully man resident in that small wrinkled little baby squinting at the, at, at the candlelight resident in that small tiny child was the very essence of God himself and that's why Colossians would say for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily it came in Jesus Christ everything that God ever was and ever would be came in that little baby that was wrapped in swaddling clothes and that baby came in love the greatest gift of love ever given was that baby born in a manger. It was a sinless baby and it was a sovereign baby. It was a savior of a baby that came in love for you and came in love for me. As that baby was born, the angelic host, the choir from the heavens begins to sing glory to God in the highest peace on earth and goodwill towards men and as the story continues we find that the shepherds come seeking this baby and then later on the wise men would come seeking this baby all this seeking this baby boy born in a manger this great gift this, this massive gift this gift of love this gift that is unspeakable this gift that is indescribable. This gift that is the most valuable gift ever given, the biggest gift ever given, the gift 
of love came wrapped in swaddling clothes. Swaddling clothes. Same, similar strips of cloth that you would use to prepare someone's body for burial. Swaddling clothes that as he's born in a manger would point 33 and a half years ahead in time. Swaddling clothes that would let us know that because of love, I'm not just going to come, but because of love, I'm going to live. And because of love, I'm not just going to live, but because of love, I'm going to die. Because of this indescribable love, this great gift of love. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody today that this is a valuable gift. This, the most valuable gift of love. It's valuable because this gift is for everyone. This gift is for all people. You ever gotten a gift before that you didn't need? You ever opened a present that you didn't need, that you didn't want, <laughs> something that was useless? You open it up and you think, it's really not me, but <laughs> you fake it and you smile, right? You smile and you're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. All right. <laughs> Is there anybody that just says, no, nah, I don't like this? Is there anybody like that here? Probably not. Hopefully not. Two? Okay. Three? I could have guessed two of those three. <laughs> no, nah, it's not for me. I, 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 you understand the heart of the giver, right? So you just smile and you say, thank you. Anyway. But, I mean, I mean, there's some gifts that are useless, right? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> You can get some stuff that just, you know, you're never going to wear that tie. Those shoes aren't even your size. It's as useless as a fur sink or a glass hammer. They're just, they're good for nothing, right? You can't, you can't do anything with them. You're not ever going to put them to use in any way. You're going to put it in the back of your closet. It's going to go in the yard sale box eventually, and, 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 and it's gonna, it might even be sold at the garage sale with the tag still attached to it because it was that useless, right? But on the opposite end of the spectrum, have you ever gotten a gift that was the perfect gift? You ever opened something that was like, man, this is exactly what I wanted. This is exactly what I needed. Maybe not even something you were thinking about, but once you open the gift, you think to yourself, this is a perfect gift. This is what I want. This is what I need. This is, I didn't even know that I needed this gift, but it's the perfect gift. Uh, can I tell you that Jesus Christ's love is the perfect gift, uh, whether you know you needed it or not? His love is the perfect gift because his love is a one-size-fits-all gift. His love is truly for everyone. His love is truly for anyone. His love is a gift that even if you didn't know you needed it, you need his love in your life. You need the gift of his love in your his existence. His gift is the reason for the season. His gift is the reason we celebrate the gift of his love. There's nobody that has ever lived that does not need the love of Jesus Christ in their life. His gift is valuable because it's for everyone. No matter who you are, you need the love of God. 
The Bible clearly says in the book of Luke chapter 31, he said, they that are whole, they don't need a physician. In other words, uh, those that are whole, Luke said, they don't need a physician. But those that are sick, they're the ones that need a physician. And he said in verse 31, he said, I came not to call the righteous, uh, uh, but sinners unto repentance. Uh, what's he saying? He's saying, I came for the sick. I came for the broken. I came, if you are perfect, then you have no need of God. And if you think you're perfect today, well, maybe you should ask your spouse, your child, your parent, Ask somebody close to you and they'll burst that bubble for you, okay? There's no, I, no matter how righteous you live, no matter how smart you are, no matter how many good decisions you make, no matter how you clean up uh, on a Sunday morning, uh, there's nobody in here that is perfect. Uh, nobody in here is perfect. Uh, if I was perfect, I would not need his love. Uh, if you were perfect, you wouldn't need his love. Uh, if I had all the answers to life, uh, I wouldn't need the love of God. If I was whole, I would never need to call on him. I wouldn't need his help in my life. But he came for us that are hurting. He came for us that have brokenness in our life. He came for those of us that have sickness in our life. He came for those of us that need a savior in our life. He came for every one of us that need help, that are troubled and need peace. His love came down for us. Oh, somebody thank Jesus for the perfect gift of his love. I thank you, Lord, for your love. For all have sinned. For all have sinned and come short. Romans says, all have sinned and come short. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's not one perfect man or woman in this room according to the book of Romans. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But his love still reaches for us. His love is still a gift to us this season. Because what we need is forgiveness. And forgiveness comes by his love. What we need is healing, and it comes. What we need is a second chance. Anybody need second chances in your life? It comes by his love. What we need is his joy and his peace that passes all human understanding, and it only comes by his love. That's why Luke, when the angel declared in Luke chapter 2, for unto us is born this day a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. He's going to save us from the hurt and the pain and the disappointment and the problem of sin in our life. That's what his love came to do. His love is valuable. This gift is valuable because it's a gift for everyone. It's a one size fits all gift and his gift is valuable because of what it cost. You know, if you're at a gift exchange that is a dollar store gift exchange, it's not a real big deal if you don't need it, right? It's just a dollar, right? If you're at a $5 gift exchange at work, you know, no more than $5. I mean, if it doesn't work out, if it breaks, no big deal, right? I mean, it's five bucks. I mean, you can't even get a value meal at fast food restaurants for five bucks these days. It's just five bucks. If it breaks, it's no problem. If it doesn't fit, it's no problem. But, but if you know somebody spent a lot of money on that gift, the value increases, right? If you know it's rare, 
if you know it's costly, if you know that it's, that it's not just dollars, maybe it's the effort that they put in to that gift. It may be money or it may be the hours of work they put in to creating that gift. There was a, a missionary that was leaving his field of calling, getting ready to come home and, and, and retire. And an elderly man from the nation knocked on his door one day before he left. An elderly man who he knew lived and attended church in a particularly remote region of the country. He knocked on his door to bring a gift to him as he departed. And the missionary knew this man had no transportation. And he knew that when this man came to the city that it would be somewhat of a two-day journey that this man would have to walk. There were no buses. Uh, There's no mass transportation. He would walk for two days and lay a bedroll and sleep out under the stars and walk. And, and for two days, this man would have walked. And the missionary, immediately when seeing him at his doorstep, he felt bad. And he said, what, why, why did you come so far just to give me this gift? And the man looked at him and replied. And he said, the journey was part of the gift. Hear me today. His journey to this earth was part of of the gift. His journey from heaven to earth was part of the gift that he left heaven to come down to condescend down to this earth. It was costly because of how far he came and how far he went to give us the gift of his love that he stooped down from eternity and stepped into time to give us this gift. That's why 2 Corinthians would say he went from being rich to being poor so that we could be rich in all of the ways that really matter. That journey was part of the gift. He went from heaven to earth, from a throne room to a manger so that you and I could have the gift of love. There's a lot of traveling in the Christmas story. Mary traveled a long way to see her cousin Elizabeth. And Mary and Joseph traveled a long way to get to Bethlehem. And the, tra the traveling shepherds, they traveled a long way to get to town. The wise men traveled uh, from a far off country to come see uh, the child. But no one in the Christmas story uh, traveled further than the baby Jesus Christ. Uh, no one traveled longer uh, than that child to come uh, from heaven to earth. Uh, he he set out that first Christmas morning uh, to leave the spacious wonder of heaven uh, to come to this earth. Why? Because of his love. Uh, because he loved you uh, and he loved me. That's why he came. His love is a valuable gift because his love not just costs something, but his love is a valuable gift because his love works. His Love works. Have you ever gotten a gift that you got out of the package, put the batteries in it, and it didn't work? Husbands, a little pro tip for you. If you buy your wife a toaster for Christmas, make sure it toasts. If you buy a wife a mixer for Christmas, make sure it mixes. I'm kidding. Don't buy your wife either of those things, okay? <laughs> Chill out. Everybody's like death stare, right? Guys are looking at me like, I really can. And ladies are like, are you serious right now? <laughs> don't buy your wife. If she needs them, just buy them for her, okay? If she needs to, don't buy her a kitchen appliance. for her. Buy her something nice, sparkly, shiny, all right? <laughs> 
I about lost all the ladies right there from the message. About to stick a fork in it, the message is over. <laughs> Don't buy your wife that for Christmas. But hey, if you get something, you want it to work, right? You, you, you want it to, What a bummer to get something that you, you cut through all the, I mean like, you know, these child's toys these days. My goodness. Like you got to cut all the straps and you got to unscrew the, the little plastic screws and you got to unwire the wires and you got to, well, I want to know who invented the machine that makes all those things. Like, oh, I mean, the packaging is more impressive than the toy to me sitting there with a knife and a pair of scissors trying not to cut my finger off just to unbox the doll, right? Get it out and it's supposed to talk and it doesn't talk. Nothing worse than going through all that work and the gift doesn't work. Can I tell you? Everything about his gift works as advertised. You will never unwrap the gift of God and say, ah, it doesn't work like it's supposed to. You'll never open up the gift of love and say, ah, you know what, it's really not that big of a deal at all. No, I'm telling you, his gift works. His gift is valuable because it works. His gift is powerful and it works. It brings hope to the hopeless. It brings help to the helpless. It brings healing to the sick. It brings peace to those that are troubled in their mind. It brings redemption to the fallen. His gift, it brings deliverance to those that are bound by addiction. His gift brings cleansing to the heart that is stained by sin. His gift brings fullness to every empty spirit because his gift works. The gift of his love is valuable because his gift works and it works for every single one of us here today. No matter who you are, no matter where you're from, no matter how you were raised, his gift of love works for you. No matter what side of the tracks you live on, his gift works for you. No matter how you got the church this morning, his gift will work for you. His love is for you. No matter how many failures and disappointments you have mounted in your life, his gift works for you. And his gift is valuable beyond compare. His gift is valuable more valuable than anything in your life. Can I tell you, his gift of love. We, we, we celebrate his gift in this church. His gift of love. We do our best to replicate his gift in this church. He said, by this, well, I'm going to know you, my disciples, that you preach really good sermons. That you have a really great worship band. By this will all men know that you are my disciples, that you have the coolest Christmas service in town. By this will all the Quad Cities know you are my disciples because you have this great, nice building. By this will all men know that you're my disciples, that you know all the facts and all the answers to all the theological questions. That's how they'll know. He said, by this will all men know that you're my disciples, that you have love. You can't know God and not know his love. You can't know God and not show his love. Can I just help somebody right now? You can't know the love of God if you're a jerk to your neighbor. 
You can't know the love of God if you're rude to everybody at work. Oh, I'm sorry. Did we get too practical all of a sudden? Just go back to Bible story. You can't know the love of God if you constantly exclude people from your circle. Well, you can't know the love of God if you won't reach to people who look like that, act like that, talk like that, vote like that. I'm sorry, that's not his love. His love is unconditional love. Kiss. He said, follow me. He, Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you what? I'll make you great preachers and teachers. Follow me and I'll make you a theologian. Follow me and I'll, I'll, I'll give you a better house to live in, a nicer car to drive. Follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. One of the greatest signs that you're following Jesus is that you're loving people who don't follow Jesus. Can I say it again? One of the greatest signs you're following Jesus uh, is that you're reaching for people who do not follow Jesus. Uh, and that is how his love is shown through us. Uh, that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, and as long as his love is in my life, uh, I'm reaching, I'm stretching. I, I thank God that for years our church ministries uh, have reached for people who may not know Jesus. In fact, you may not know it, uh, but while you were warm in your home last uh, yesterday morning, uh, we've got a street ministry team uh, that's out on the streets of the Quad Cities every Saturday morning. A street ministry team uh, that's out on the streets of the Quad Cities reaching for those uh, that are less fortunate. A street ministry team that's uh, giving out socks and, and giving warm blankets and giving a hot something to drink and a meal to, to to people who are less fortunate. Why? Because it's not just about theology in a church service on a Sunday morning. By this will all men know you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. I've said it before. You can't have everybody in this room. You can't have everybody in a church our size. You can't have hundreds of people over for your barbecue at your house. I get it. Somebody at some point in time is going to be excluded. But hear me. If there's people in this room that you are consistently and intentionally excluding, you need to have a baptism of the love of Jesus new in your life. If there's people that you just refuse to associate with and be around because they're not like you or they annoy you or maybe they don't live like you live, I'm telling you, we need a baptism of the love of Jesus in our life. By this will all men know that you're my disciples. I don't care how pretty you sing. I don't care how nice you look, how clean you dress. You gotta have the love of Jesus in your life. And his love is in this room right now. His love's in this room. His love is not some white elephant hand-me-down gift. His love is not some gag gift. His love is the greatest gift. His love is the biggest box. It's the greatest gift that you could ever receive is the love of Jesus Christ in your life. I'm telling you, Jesus wants to give somebody a gift today. He wants to give somebody the greatest gift you've ever received, and that is the gift of his love. It may not come wrapped the way you thought it was going to come. 
come wrapped. Uh, you may just be feeling a little something on this Sunday morning service uh, that you're not even sure what that feeling is. Maybe it's goosebumps. Uh, maybe you think, wow, that worship band has a lot of energy uh, or that preacher really screams a lot. Uh, I'm telling you what you're feeling, uh, rumbling in your spirit right now. It is the gift of his love uh, and it is for everyone. Uh, it's for anyone in this room today. It is his greatest gift his best gift. It's the gift of love. And this morning, I invite everyone in this room to open up your heart, open up your spirit, and say, Lord, I, I want your gift today. His gift is valuable because it's for everybody. There's nobody in this room excluded from the gift of his love. His gift is valuable this morning because it cost something. He came from heaven to earth. And his gift is valuable this morning because his gift works. His love has the power to change your life. His love has the power to change your life. I, I went to school with a man in seminary. This man grew up in a family that were practicing members of the Ku Klux Klan. He grew up, that's all he knew. But one day he walked into a church and he almost walked out because the church was made up of unique racial and social demographics just like our church. And he almost walked out but he said something gripped his heart. And as a teenage boy, only knowing hate, he said, I felt love for the first time. Not because anybody talked to him, just he got in the room and he felt love. He poured his heart out to God, he repented. God filled him with the spirit. He went to seminary, he became a pastor. And last I heard, that young man who only grew up knowing pure hate and sin, now pastors a church that is probably more racially diverse than our church. Now this man who only grew up doing hate now knows nothing but the love of Jesus Christ. Hear me. If God's love can take a former KKK member and make him a pastor of a multiracial inner city church, it's growing and thriving and reaching everybody and whosoever will. I'm telling you, there is nothing in your life that the love of Jesus cannot transform. There is nothing in your heart that the love of Jesus cannot turn upside down. Oh, somebody stand to your feet right now and lift up your voice. Lift up your hands, heavenward, if you feel so to respond to the Holy Ghost. Lift up your voice and somebody just thank Him for his love. Uh, somebody lift up your voice and say, God, I thank you uh, for the gift of your love. Uh, I thank you for the gift of your goodness. I thank you for the gift uh, of your mercy. I'm telling you, his love is in this place. 
what shall separate us from the love of God. Nothing, nothing, Paul said, shall separate us from the love of God. I'm preaching to somebody that your sin cannot separate you from the love of God. Your past cannot separate you from the love of God. Your problems cannot separate you from the love of God. The things that you think make you less valuable to society, those things cannot separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. His love that is unconditional love is in this room right now. I'm inviting anyone that would in this room. If you want to experience the love of God fresh and new in your life, I'm inviting you to step out of where you're at, walk down this front, and lift up your hands and your voice and say, Lord, I give myself into the hands of your perfect.